following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We start a new teaching series today called Reaching Out, Three Movements of the Spiritual Life. And as you might know if you've been around for the past few weeks, this series is based on a book by one of my favorite Christian authors, Henry Nouwen. Um, this is also the uh, subject of our church-wide summer read, something we've never done before, but we're trying this year, and I think it's, the response so far has been good enough that I'd like to try it probably every year, maybe a couple times a year. We'll see how it goes. But we have copies of this book available for $10. I have a couple of them left, and if there's more people who want them, I will order them, and I can get them to you by the middle of the week if you can come pick them up, or you can pick them up next Sunday. There's three parts in this book. It's pretty thin, so you can either, if you've read part one already in preparation for today, you're, that's great. If you haven't read a single word of this book, you could read part one this week, and it would be just as great, probably in a different way, um, following up on what you hear this morning, which is based on first, the, the first section of this book. So um, this is kind of a prequel series intended to prepare our minds and hearts for our year-wide a year-long uh, thematic thread, which is called Beyond Our Walls. We've been doing so much with our building, literally knocking down a wall very recently, that we want to be focusing for the next year or so on what we can do living our faith outside the walls of our church. Because really, the church is the people. This is a building. It's, it's a drywall and studs and a concrete foundation and a roof. There's nothing special about this building, and it's not a church it's a location. We, the body of Christ, the people, the brothers and sisters, are the church. And so we need to live our faith outside the walls. We need to go beyond this building. And we will dig into that really deep over the coming year, starting with a, a series particularly directed toward it in a few weeks. But first we're doing this prequel series called Reaching Out, again based on this book. If you're not a reader, um, it's okay. You, you don't need to read the book to, uh, to be here and, and uh, receive interesting stuff here. So this book says that there are three movements of the spiritual life. The first one is sort of an inward movement um, centered around understanding the self better and maybe adjusting something inwardly. The second movement is reaching out to other people. And the third movement is reaching out to God. And each of the movements has a transition. And uh, today's transition sort of sets up the whole uh, the whole. Um, wheel of cheese, which is not Nouwen's term. <laughs> He's much more eloquent and articulate than I am. Um, but uh, I'm happy to say that this, this uh, teaching today comes not from me, but from one of our one of, one members of our leadership team, Autumn Gallegos-Greenwich. So Autumn, why don't you come on up here? Would you welcome Autumn and tell her how great you think it is that she's going to be doing this teaching today? Um, Autumn is actually the person who suggested we use this book, and um, I have heard it praised from a number of other sources in the past, and so when she suggested it, it just seemed to click, and uh, she's, uh, I think, especially equipped to talk about this topic, um, and particularly this part of this topic. So uh, thank you, Autumn, for being willing to do this, and we are eagerly awaiting what you have to say. When I was uh, met with Scott to talk about talking uh, on this chapter today, uh, he, he said what he said just now. I can't think of anybody better to talk about loneliness. I was like, thanks, Scott. I'm the loneliest person you know. 
Um, but I'm, I'm actually really excited to talk about um, this book, and particularly this chapter, because um, it has been so influential for me um, in my spiritual journey. Um, I, first, I first read it um, back in 2007. I was about halfway through um, at seminary, um, where I was getting my doctorate at the time. And um, um, I had a lot of external things that that were going on um, that triggered for me probably one of the hardest times in my life. And um, so I wanted to share um, with you what was going on for me at that time and um, how how this book played a role. I had just moved out on my own, and I was really excited to, to finally live without roommates and have my own place. Um, but a bunch of things coincided at that time that um, actually made that not, not a place where I could have a, a place of solitude and sanctuary, but a place that actually felt really alone. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time that broke up with me, which, of course, I'm very thankful for now. But at the time, um, it was heartbreaking. And um, I was working, um, so I'm a a clinical psychologist by training, so you do a lot of rotations in different hospitals and clinics. And at the time, I was at an inpatient hospital working with people with severe um, and and persistent mental illness. And that was the first time I had um, really um, worked with that um, clientele before. I had read about it. had different experiences with it, but actually working with it in that way um, was really painful for me at first to see people who were so um, uh, so um, disconnected from reality, disconnected from relationships. Um, that was really, really painful for me and very confusing for me. Um, my parents were um, separating at the time, and... I get choked up thinking about it, but it totally um, rocked my world. Um, and then, uh, sorry, I, I do this. Um, and then on top of everything, my brother was facing the possibility of prison. So when I think about that time um, six years ago now, I can see myself on my knees begging God to fix um, all these different things that were broken in my life and really feeling like he wasn't there. He had totally abandoned me. He had abandoned my family. Um, and he had, he had abandoned these people that I'm working with and um, these people that I felt like just didn't have... Um, it, it felt hopeless. Um, And, I, and, I, and I, when I think about that time, I mostly think about the most painful thing, feeling like God had, had, had abandoned us. You know, I can, as much as I was crying out um, for God to be um, present in my life, um, it, it felt, it, it just felt empty. Um, so that place where I, had, I was living alone, it ended up just being a place where I was isolating, um, 
months were, were going by, weeks, you know, m- weeks and months were going by, and um, I, I was not connecting with people. I was really not letting people in. Um, I, you know, I think when you're trying to connect to God and, and you don't feel like um, you're getting that connection, I was also really numbing myself out to just my relationship with God. And so if you've ever experienced depression, it's not just the sadness. It's, it's a total cutting off and numbing out um, from your experience. So, you know, things that are once colorful just feel, you feel like you're in a fog. Um, that's often what we, okay, thank you. I'm hoping that's over, but. Um, um, yeah, so. So, so that's where I was, and I can even see the relationships that I was seeking out at the time were essentially other lonely people, um, uh, you know, where, where the relationships are just sort of greedy and needy, and, you know, it's uh, a girlfriend of, of mine at the time, she was also in my, my doctoral program, it's like, okay, we, ne- we need to do something, we need to go to the movies or go shopping or go to eat and we would go to yoga and we would, you know, go to different churches or try and meet different people. I mean, we were just so desperately finding, trying to find a way to connect, to get rid of this pervasive loneliness that we felt, that we both felt. And so um, probably about, uh, this probably went on, I would say, about six months um, from the summer of 2007 into the, the winter. Um, of course, it was L.A., so I didn't have, like, a, you know, an actual winter that coincided with the winter of my soul or whatever. But, um, but I decided that I needed to uh, just do something completely different because what I did know was that the thing that hurt the most was my disconnection from God. <clears throat> and so I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I, I have to, I have to find a, a different path because what I'm doing is just simply not working for me. Um, so I signed up for a Henry Nouwen spirituality class. And I don't even know if I had heard of Henry Nouwen at the time, but I, I knew I, I wanted, as I said, something different and something to, um, something to shape my spiritual life, to hopefully reconnect me with God and so I remember being assigned to, to read this book, Reaching Out, and I can see myself at the coffee shop um, reading this first chapter um, where Henry Nouwen is setting the stage for having a fruitful spiritual life. And he's talking about this first movement of transitioning from this pervasive universal loneliness that we all experience transitioning that to something called a, a fruitful solitude. And, and um, so I I'm, I'm, can see myself in this coffee shop those years ago reading and just underlining and starring it. I still have my copy of the book, little notes I wrote to myself because I felt so connected to what he was talking about. Um, I could see myself really on all these pages. I could see the the uh, loneliness that he is describing. And I could see all the needy, greedy ways I was trying to um, fill in that void, that emptiness, that pervasive disconnection that I felt. 
And, and loneliness, you know, I know I don't necessarily have to describe that in detail. I know that each of us in different ways experience this loneliness. It's, it's pervasive. It's part of us. And it's mostly coming out of a fear that we are not whole in and of ourselves, that we alone need others to be a whole person, or we need other things We need stuff. We need noise. We look for so many different ways to fill in this space that we feel like is is empty, is void. And um, it's often, essentially, it can feel so painful. And it's not that we are just afraid of being alone. It's that we actually have been rejected. We have felt alone. People at school, peers reject peers. We reject parts of ourselves. We reject other people all the time. Parents reject their children. And an ending of a relationship can, can feel like that, that type of rejection that makes us feel like we are not enough. That maybe even we are unlovable or unknowable. And or if people did know us, they wouldn't want to be in relationship with us. We can go to parties and feel totally alone. I'm sure a lot of us, I don't know, I feel that way a lot. I, the first time I came to Artisan, I remember feeling really, really alone, really unknown. I mean, because I was. And now I'm, you know, fast forward three years later, I'm talking about loneliness. And I know that that's not everyone's experience here at Artisan, but I know that that can be an experience when we're surrounded by a lot of people, especially when we're really trying to seek connection, like at parties or at church. That's actually where it can feel the most painful when we're not seeking that connection. And so we look for a lot of things to cure that that pain, um, or to cure that loneliness. And relationships is a wonderful way to, to do that, to, to seek a way of finding some sort of wholeness. Um, finding people that relate to us, that get us. Um, but the truth is that even in the most intimate relationships, in marriage or with best friends, we are not completely known. That will never completely heal us or make us whole, even though it can feel that way. And of course, it's okay to seek those relationships because we are made to be in relationship. We are made in the image of a triune God who is in perfect relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this one um, perfect relationship. The difference is that we often seek these relationships often out of fear, even if we don't, um, aren't fully aware of that. A lot of times we're seeking relationships to avoid um, the pain of just being alone. Or we, we find ourselves feeling that lonely, empty feeling and we're going to the fridge or we're going to TV and making friends with Friends, I've done that before. I'm like, what's Joey and Chandler doing? Um, or, you know, we call people on the phone, you know, um, 
we, oh my gosh, we turn to our iPhone, which I've heard a MIT professor call our phantom limb. We're like, is it ringing? No, no, no. Um, and we go to Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and that Vine thing. And if you're really bored, MySpace. I mean, <laughs> we, we have all these different ways that we really try and um, fill in the silence with noise. I mean, that's really, that's what we're doing. Um, and again, these aren't bad things. We, we all um, have different ways of seeking connection. But what does it mean when we are constantly trying to fill in that space with noise? What does it mean that when we're actually afraid of what we might find if we were to just sit with that space or that silence, that we would just find nothing or we would see things that we don't want to see. So it's often that fear of loneliness and that fear of unwholeness that drives us toward these relationships or towards buying these things or checking our phone over and over. And often when there is that silent space, when you're with other people, we call that an awkward silence. We have a phrase for it. Um, Because I think we're confusing that with disconnection. That if we're not doing something, being somewhere, being something, connecting to someone somehow, we feel we've confused that for disconnection. But what Henry Nouwen is talking about in this transitioning, this movement from loneliness to solitude, is he's talking about actually moving into that silent space. Actually moving into that place that we've maybe avoided for so long that we don't even know what's there. Moving into that place takes a lot of courage. And it takes vulnerability and honestly it, it takes silence um, that, that's often why meditative prayer is something that's often used to help transition us from that, that lonely fearful place to um, this what we're calling what is called solitude is because you have to stay and move into that place that actually hurts, that's actually pretty painful. And we have to stay with it and come back to it. This is how we build up our heart, treating our heart like a home. We have to keep returning to it over and over. So using this type of prayer is is like descending with the mind into the heart. And there, we can stand before our Lord, face to face, who's ever-present, all-seeing within us. This is the, the most important movement between loneliness and solitude, is when you actually move into that space that we would call dark or empty, where actually, that's how we're casting out fear. That's how God is actually helping us cast out this fear that what we may find is nothing. 
And what God is telling us is that when we actually move into that space, that is a movement in love. And and 1 John 4.16 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So if we're actually moving into that space, we find God because this movement toward what scares us actually takes a lot of courage and vulnerability. And that is how love casts out that fear. And this is how God dwells in us and us in God. problem is that we often, when we're practicing um, these type of, of meditations or um, ways of trying to find a solidarity with, with yourself, um, it gets, we have a, millions of things that are going to interrupt us, millions of things that are going to want to try and take us out of just practicing being fully present with God. Um, and the problem is, that if we cut ourselves off from one thing, we cut ourselves off to the whole thing. We can't just pick and choose the part of our life, our innermost being, that we're going to be present with. Nor can we pick and choose what we're going to choose to be present with, even just sitting in this room right now. But I do want to say that because when you are descending with the mind into the... um, into the heart, it it really does take a lot of courage and vulnerability. And I think it's important to say that having discernment and who you're letting into your life in in times where you're really practicing that um, this type of movement from loneliness to solitude is is really important and that you're being careful to acknowledge that you don't have to let anybody and everybody into this space. And in fact, you don't have to let anyone into these dark, scary corners. And this is a place where you are setting this foundation for a fruitful spiritual life, where you are actually moving closer to your relationship with God. God wants a relationship with you, not with you and your iPhone. He wants a relationship with you. And this ability to actually choose who we're letting in or what we're letting in is what Henry Nouwen calls a hospitable solitude. And I love that, that um, those words um, and what it conveys because the idea is that when we're actually moving in close and we're actually settling in, calling this our heart space or, or our self home, it allows us to be protective of our aloneness. And that it's no longer something that scares us or something that we have to avoid. But it's actually something that can become something that we can treasure. And we can also treasure, respect, and protect the aloneness of others. Henry Nouwen says, this is the mystery of love, to respect and protect the aloneness of the other. Because it is no longer coming together, meeting people out of fear, out of that needy, greediness 
to be in relationship, but because we want to share, we want to hold in communion in solidarity my aloneness with your aloneness. And when we're coming together in that type of love, that allows for openness in a different way. It allows for creativity in relationships in a different way because we're no longer coming with this expectation that you're going to fix me and you're going to cure me and you're going to make me better. Because what you found is that in this practiced solitude and solidarity with yourself, there, you can find that wholeness because God God is all-seeing, all-knowing within you. So, this is why um, every month practicing meditative prayers is, has been really important um, for me to just practice with my church family because it really has played such an integral part in my life. Toward the end of um, that Henry Nouwen class, we actually did um, a silent retreat where we were silent for the whole day. Um, that was the first time I had done a retreat like that, and um, really special experiences. If you ever get an opportunity um, to try that, I would really recommend um, practicing just sitting with all the things that we're constantly trying to get away from, particularly silence. And um, I remember uh, I had grown up in a church where we said over and over, God, silence all, all other voices, all other concerns, so I can hear your voice alone, and in hearing may I also do your will. So I decided to make that my meditation throughout the day, just to sort of get out all those thoughts that were you know, about what was going on in my life at the time or anticipation of the future, thoughts about the past. I was just trying to stay present by allowing God to just silence, silence all these voices, that mental chatter. And I remember as the sun was setting, so I'd been doing this all day, and by the time the sun had set, I remember just that, connected solitude where it was just me and God and the world he'd created and it was beautiful. And I remember being able to see color again and coming, I, and that's how I knew I was uh, coming out of um, that depressive place because I, I, I could feel again and I didn't have to avoid those feelings because because I felt more compassion toward it than hatred of it and wanting it to go away. Um, and I remember hearing that it, one of the most profound experiences I've had was to hear that still, small voice saying, I know you and I love you. And for me to feel known in that moment and loved was life-changing and and then the next day I met Joel and that made me happy too <laughs> um okay I didn't need these again thanks Dan um which of course is not about curing the loneliness but absolutely about feeling just so connected to God in, in such a unique and special way and so today 
I thought we could just um, end with practicing um, a reverent silence with one another in which we're just respecting and protecting the solitude of each other and um, just coming to our whole self and coming with our whole self to God. And so if we could close today in just a meditative prayer, um, I just invite you to, if you'd like, to, to close your eyes. This is one way just to practice coming, coming to this moment and entering into this moment with your whole self. Seeing if you can ask God to silence all other voices all of the concerns that you can hear his still, small voice. Alone. Often I, I invite you to just even experience your breathing. It's just one way to help redirect your attention back to your heart space, a space of that you can call home. And I invite you to repeat this verse. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Seeing if you can descend, take your mind and descend into your heart. Settling into this space to call home, to be able to welcome others, to sit face to face with your creator who knit you together. Who made you fearfully, who made you wonderfully. Amen. And now it's time to come to the table for communion. This is something we practice every week at Artisan. It's a time um, in which we do practice uh, being in a reverent silence with uh, one another as we listen to music and as we um, take of the body broken for us. And we do intinction in which we take the bread and dip it into the juice or wine, whichever is more appropriate for you and your family. And if you are, you don't have to be a member of uh, Artisan, um, uh, but that we ask that you are um, seeking to follow Christ, then the table is for you. And this is also just a time of um, silent reflection. And so I invite you to the table now. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.